Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Should have heard that last week. Remember? That was the same scripture we read last week. And we're going to read it again, I'm sure. I don't know about you, but I like to check the upcoming sermons. How many of you do that? You can look online and you can see what sermons DJ's going to be preaching for the next number of weeks. If you haven't done it, do it. I, I like to do that. Uh, he lists them well in advance. And uh, I saw that uh, for three weeks, he, was, he would be talking about stewardship. Familiar topic. Many pastors preach about it once or twice a year. In fact, uh, one, one pastor made the comment, he says, I hate to tell people I'm going to be talking about financial stewardship because the crowd doesn't come. They stay home. They don't want to hear about that. But nonetheless, uh, we are going to hear about that for three weeks. You heard about the beginning last week, and you'll hear about another aspect of it next week. Well, anyway, I was anxious to hear what DJ had to say about stewardship, uh, but what I didn't know at the time, what he, that he wasn't going to be here. <laughs> oh, how, what good planning. He says, we're going to talk about stewardship for three weeks, but by the way, I'm not going to be here for a couple of those weeks. And we know DJ uh, is in Korea visiting his relatives, and we wish him, we wish him well on uh, that venture. On top of that, I didn't know he was going to ask me to be actively involved. <laughs> oh, my word. Well, last week, Pastor DJ began a sermon series based on the book Rich Church, Poor Church. And uh, as I read the book, obviously money's involved, okay? And money's a big part of it, but it's not the only part of it. The book is based on financial stewardship, how rich churches and poor ship uh, poor churches are different in the way they approach finances and the way they handle finances and the message they give to their congregants. Last week's scriptures was as it was today, Matthew 6, 19 to 21, and I'll, I'll bet that most of you, if not all of you, can recite this verbatim. But it goes something like this. Do not store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now one thing, I, I don't know if you ever looked at this, but this is not, this is not a statement. 
It's a commandment. Do not. That's a commandment. Commands in, includes all that we do, our actions, our commitments, but it also involves what we do with our money. And I always like these statistics, but money and possessions are the second most referenced topic in the Bible. I don't know if you knew that or not. There's more talk about money and possessions than anything else except one other topic. It's over 800 times. And I don't know, I'm sure that you've all had classes and so forth where the teacher says the same thing over and over, you know. There's a reason for that. It's supposed to get the point. So if something's talked about 800 times, it must be important. And I know in our, in our everyday life, sometimes we say, as, as, a, as a parent or as a teacher or as whatever, you might say, if I told you twice, I'm not going to tell you again, right? Or we use the baseball term, in three strikes, you're out. Well, God must have known something about human beings because he says 800 times. He knew we weren't going to get it. It indicates to me that what you have is important. You know, we do a lot of things on a yearly basis. We clean out the closet. You ever do that in the spring or in the fall? Yeah, you, you pull the attic steps down or however you get there and you, oh my word, look at all this junk. And I keep telling my wife, you know, we have all this junk like everybody else does. And I, I keep saying, you know what, when we're gone, you know what the kids are going to do? They're going to bring in the dumpster, and it all goes in the dumpster. You know, because it is important to them. At least most of the things aren't important to them. Well, I thought, you know, if we kind of clean out our closets every year, maybe what we should do is revisit what the Bible says about our giving on a yearly basis as well. Maybe we should clean out those clauses as well. well. Where do we start? Well, I think we start with the understanding that all things belong to God. I know we say that, but I don't know that we always believe that. Deuteronomy 10.14 says, Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. And in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10.26 says, For the earth is the Lord's with all that is in it. You know, we like to think things are ours, and I, I do this too, you know, my this, my that. But if you come down to it, it isn't mine. It's mine to, to use, to put to use, but we're supposed to do it to build the kingdom of God. It's interesting, uh, I, I always enjoyed looking at stupid stuff on the computer. Things like, what do people take with them when they get buried? And I'm sure you've all seen some of this, and, and maybe uh, you yourself like to do this, but one, one guy I came across, he got buried in his Ferrari. His car was so important, so he wanted his, to be buried in the Ferrari, which they did. Another guy had a very elaborate room built. I mean, it was huge. Had TVs in it, had chairs in it, all this other stuff. That was important to him. Another guy 
had a hundred dollar single bills of a hundred dollars worth a hundred dollars stuffed in his different pockets because his comment was I wonder if you have to tip where I'm going <laughs> you know we all have our little our little quirks I suppose the question we need to ask ourselves in, in dealing with finances and and not, not only finances but our stewardship in general is who, who's leading Who's leading? Who, who is saying this? I don't know about you, but I always want to know, you know, you hear the term, they say, right? They say this, they say that. My question is, who's they? Well, who says this? Interestingly enough, guess what? It's God. God's leading. He has it in our guidebook. So I, I selected four principles that I think are important in giving. Number one, principle number one is make giving a priority. You know, what's important to you? Where do you spend your resources? Not, not only money, but your time and your talents. Because remember, God has gifted everyone in this room. Every single one of you has a gift. Some of you have more than one. But we're supposed to be using them to build God's kingdom. Uh, it's interesting, we've been, uh, my grandkids are involved in, like many of your relatives are, soccer and volleyball and football and all kinds of things going on. And uh, it was interesting, a couple weeks ago we had a, had a soccer tournament, and uh, we were talking to this lady afterwards, and she told us that uh, she takes her daughter, they've been to California, they've been to Arizona, They've been to Virginia. They're going to Florida. At her, she pays the whole thing. She has to pay for the plane tickets, the motels, the hotels, the food, whatever, whatever. Obviously, soccer is important to her. Now, I'm not, I'm not criticizing her. I'm just making a point. Her, one of her priorities is having her daughter have these great experiences in soccer. That should kind of be the same attitude that, that we have in dealing with with one. You know, we all know the meaning of priority. Priority means first. What do we prioritize? What's important to us? And of course, the Bible says, and again, I'm, I, I preface this with, by saying, God is saying this, okay? At least my understanding of the Bible, God is saying this. He's saying first fruits. Take a portion of your gross income, give it away to the Lord's work. You know, many have said the church just wants my money. I, I, I probably said that once too. Church wants, just wants my money. Interesting though, when we go to the grocery store or we go to the mall, do we say the store just wants my money? I don't think so. Because we're receiving something that we feel we need. Well, you know what? We need this. We need this spiritual thing. Because without the spiritual thing, life really is meaningless. I think the question is not, does the church want my money? The question should be, does the church serve good food? You know? And I'm not, I'm not talking about, I know Methodists, you know, we, we have great food, but I'm talking about 
a different kind of food, a spiritual food. It's the first thing to do. Principle number one, the first thing to do. Exodus 23, 19 says this, <clears throat> Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits of all your produce. And then you can say, well, you know, people say, well, that's Old Testament stuff that does not apply. But the New Testament says very similar things. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 to 3, it says this. Now about the collection for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. You know, there's a lot of great organizations, and, and I, I, we contribute to a lot of them, and I'm sure you do too, but, you know, you, you, you can go on and on. Salvation Army, Habitat for Humanity, St. Jude's Research Hospital, Wounded Warriors, Locally, Effort Area Social Services, Love, Inc. The list goes on and on. And, of course, how do you decide what you're going to give and, and to whom you're going to give? Well, I don't know about you, but... One of the things I look at is, what's their mission? What are they trying to do? Who are they trying to help? And then another thing I look at is, not only what is their mission, but how much of the money you donate goes to that mission? You know, we had, uh, uh, a few years ago, we had a, a nice pair of gloves in the mail. I still have them. They're nice. And from an organization I never heard of. I never heard of. And of course, I'm sure that you, just like me and us, we get, every day we get, I don't know, probably 15, it seems 15 or 20 pieces of mail asking for, you know, help. Well, anyway, this organization that sent us gloves did some research. We found out that only 10% of what you give to that organization goes to their mission. That's true. That's a fact. Study the mission. You know, I said before, all these organizations are great, and a lot of them are, are Christian-oriented, even Christian-based. But the thing do is, don't forget the church. Because the church has a mission. In fact, if you look in your bulletin, you'll see it. What's the mission? Here it is. We exist, us, we exist to bring people to Jesus Christ and to help them become his fully devoted followers. That's our mission. You can't get any more important than that. Giving is to be number one priority. It should come first. Uh, don't be like the little girl given $2 by her mom. The mother told her $1 for church and $1 for candy after church. The girl started on her way to church. After tripping on the sidewalk, the dollars flew out of her hands and the wind blew them away. But she was able to get one back. She said, well, God, there goes your dollar. You know, and often, that's kind of the approach we take. You know, and again, I'm, I'm speaking to myself, 
this message is probably better for me than anybody. But uh, it's interesting that when we have to cut things, God seems to, to get cut first. You know, God made us his priority. He gave his only begotten son for us. Can't get any more important than that. Priority number one is make it a priority. Principle number two, giving is to be proportional. Oh my goodness, this one, oh, this one really gets people jacked. Be proportional. We don't, not all the same. We don't all give the same. We have different jobs. We have different incomes. We have different locations. You know, I, I uh, get interested when they, they talk about uh, a universal wage. That really, in my opinion, is stupid. Because making $12 an hour in effort of Pennsylvania is a lot different than making $12 in New York City. You know, it's not the same thing. And of course, we know that God has given us different gifts, different levels of income, based on really uh, our abilities and so forth. So it's to be proportional. And this brings up the issue of, I hate to mention this word, tithing. Oh my, tithing. You know, tithing, I don't know if you ever looked it up, but it, uh, I'm going to share some verses with you and some scriptural background here. The first, the first incidence of tithing in the Bible is Abram. This is, this is way before Mosaic Law, so it wasn't a law. But Abram had just rescued his, his nephew Lot, who had been captured in Sodom, and of course, uh, upon his return, he meets with Melchizedek, and it says, the Bible says, Abram gave Melchizedek 10%. By the way, the word tithe means 10%, okay? Jacob is another example. After encountering a dream in Genesis 28, it says, Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, will watch over me on this journey I'm taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God, and I will give him a tenth. Again, this is before Mosaic Law. Leviticus 27, now we have, Levit we have uh, Mosaic Law. It says, a tithe of everything from the Lord, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. I'm not going to debate tithing with you. There's all kinds of issues about tithing. There's a big, you know, all kinds of disagreements about it. Should you, is it required? Is it required? I'll let you figure that one out for yourself. Is it required? Or, or did it go out when Christ was born? You know, a lot, of, a lot of things in the Old Testament we say disappeared when Christ came. Okay? Is that the way it was? Does this mean you have to give 10% to the church? Or does it mean you give 10% to God's work? And God does work in a lot of other organizations beyond the church. Is 10% a minimum requirement? You'll find people who argue that one. Many of you have heard of Warren Buffett. I'm sure you know who he is. 
But, uh, and I, I, you know, it's kind of hard to compare ourselves with Warren Buffett. <laughs> I mean, actually, I made as much last week as he made. No, I didn't. But, but Warren Buffett, his goal in life is to give away 99% of what he has. Now, he has a lot. But 99% is a lot. You know, that's his goal. So, Warren Buffett would say 10% is a minimum. You know, we need to go beyond that. I'm not going to argue that point with you one way or the other. <laughs> I came across a story that's, I think, a, a, eh, pertains to maybe the way we think too. A man came to the pastor and said, Pastor, when I was making $30,000 a year, I gave a tenth to the Lord. Now I make $150,000 a year, and I just don't have anything to give to the Lord. The money just seems to disappear. Would you pray for me? I'd be happy to pray for you, the pastor said. Oh Lord, would you please reduce this man's salary to $30,000 a year so he could start tithing again? Now, it's a funny story, but, you know, if you think about the message, it's, it's an important message. It's interesting. It's, it's stated by numerous studies, and again, I don't know how they all study these things, but that 10 to 25% of, of church members tithe today. That's a big difference, 10 to 25, but it's a big gap. Most people give 2.5% to the church. During the Depression, people gave 3.3% to the church. This building we're sitting in was built during the Depression, right afterwards. And if you, if you know the history at all, I've, I, believe it or not, I was not alive then, but uh, I, I've heard stories how people raised money to build this church during the Depression. Wow. So again, I'm not going to argue tithing one way or the other. The only thing I would say is, I refer to this verse. If you want to jot this down, it's a good one, I think. Luke 11.42. This is New Testament now. You can argue the Old Testament, you know, tithing is gone and all that. But in Luke 11.42, it says this. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you, this is Jesus talking, because you give a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs but you neglected justice and the love of God. That sounds good, but then he says this. You should have practiced the latter, meaning justice and the love of God, without leaving the former. So he's telling you, at least in my interpretation, that tithing is an important thing. Whatever you decide to give or have given, again, it's just a time to maybe review it, pray to God about it, and come to an understanding of what it is. But it is to be proportional. We don't expect everybody to give the same amount. And we'll, we'll get to that in a, in a little, another principle coming up. The third principle I put down is giving is to be sacrificial. It doesn't always feel good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. One, one guy explained it this way. He says, giving money is like lifting weights. It's not fun on the front end, 
until you see the effect. And if any of you have lifted weights, it isn't fun. It's a hard work. But when you see the effects, uh, it's important. Luke 21, 1-4 says, this is Jesus again, as he looked up, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting in their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw, saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave it out of her poverty. She put in all she had to live on. Now, uh, if you know anything about the temple and so forth, the temple had a, believe it or not, the temple had a tax. Can you imagine if the church had a tax? Oh my, wouldn't that be something? But the temple had a tax, and, and all the males over 20 had to pay it. So there was a temple tax, but then there were also boxes for donations. This reference that I'm reading has nothing to do with the temple tax. It has to do with beyond that, the gifts beyond that. And of course, why is he commending the widow? Well, remember where widows were back in this particular day. You know, if you were a widow, you were in dire, you had dire straits to deal with. It wasn't easy to survive. And of course, she's willing to donate what she has for God's work in this case, even though she's basically giving away her livelihood. She was giving sacrificially. She was lifting weights. And even though she didn't give as much as the rich guys, notice that Jesus didn't commend the rich guys. Said, yeah, you're, you're giving out of your wealth, but this woman's giving a lot more than you are. She's learning and giving sacrificially. John 3.17 says this, 1 John 3.17, If anyone has material possessions, sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? That's a good question to ask yourself. You know, and as I said, our mission as, as a church here, we know what it is. We know it involves a lot of things. And DJ keeps telling us about the people out there. Remember, he always does this, the people out there. He never says the people over here, but he says the people over here. The people out there, we need to help them. We need to reach out to them. And there are lots of ways to do that. The fourth principle I selected is Giving is to be done cheerfully. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give, listen to this, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. You know, over the years, we've been here for, oh, I don't even know, 50 years maybe, Kathy? Is that right? About? Give or take? Yes? No? 
Okay, I, I didn't know if you were listening or not, but I, okay. <laughs> yes, yes, we were, we've been here about 50 years. <clears throat> and over, over the years, I've seen a lot of tremendous acts of giving. Just some recent ones. When, when my wife started a preschool program <clears throat> back in the 90s, we need, she needed a, a way to get kids here. We didn't have any way to get kids here. So I remember one Sunday, she came up and made a request to people to raise money to buy a bus. Wow. A bus? It's a lot of money. I think it took, what, two weeks? Two weeks. We raised the money. Recently, at the start of the war in Ukraine, the leaders in our church decided we'd like to raise $4,000 to assist. I don't think it took a week. June Hartref School needed bathroom facilities. A short time, we raised the funds. A rich church always says it can do more. It's like, it's like a coach. You can run faster. You can hit harder. You can get stronger. The pastor says you can give more. You can serve more. You can study harder. You can pray more diligently. This says to me not only be a cheerful giver, but with, give with expectations of big things happening. A rich church always has a big dream, not afraid to be bold. But a rich church also has a responsibility to be good stewards. See if you hear these principles I just talked about in this first church in Acts 4. It says, all the believers were of one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. I think you can see all the principles that I've talked about at work in that early church. I believe the principles of first fruits, proportional giving, sacrificial giving, cheerful giving, are characteristics that a church, a rich church, should model. And I know that we desire to be a rich church. And I know that I've given some illustrations of where that's, that's possible. The only thing I would ask is that as you're cleaning out your attic, Let's clean out our, uh, maybe our biblical attic as well. Go back and read some of those things and see if it, if it uh, speaks to you in any way. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>